I like turtles. How are we doing? How are we doing? We have got one week under our belt in the college basketball season. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did here over at the North Pole Pod. Thanks for coming back in for another episode. Uh, as always, it's myself, Tyler North, here with my co-host, Robbie Boy. Rob, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing good. We're doing good. We didn't watch a, a Terps loss uh, today, so... I'm I'm hanging in there. It could be better, but you know, like you said, first week's in the books. A lot of action, a lot of good stuff we saw. We'll get to all that um throughout the episode, but we're doing good. Awesome. Yeah, we had some exciting games. We had some not so exciting games. Um we've got some awesome basketball on tap here as we get into what is known as feast week, uh, as we get right into to Thanksgiving. Um this episode is being recorded Wednesday night. It'll come out on Thursday. Uh, so it'll be a week before Thanksgiving, and it'll give you a little bit of a preview of to what to look for for most of these tournaments that we're going to hop into. Um, I know we're going to hop into the Maui Invitational, the Battle for Atlantis, Charleston Classic, Myrtle Beach Invitational, Empire Classic, everything you could hope for. This is your one-stop shop. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into this, man. Let's go ahead and dive into it. Let's start on a high note. James Madison, man, they got to be labeled as my team of the week. What they were able to do, they went into Michigan State, into the Breslin Center, won at the Breslin Center uh, in overtime, and then they turn around like three or four days later and win a double overtime game at Kent State, who was a tournament team last year. Um, so that was the one thing that stood out to me this past week was just – Yeah, are they a the football school or a basketball school? And like you said, they're now ranked. Like, pretty cool to see, you know. Yeah, and they, and this is the thing, these are the type of things that you'll see early in the year is some of these top-tier teams tested. You know, if you don't come out ready to play and you kind of are sleepwalking through a game, you can get caught. James Madison was no slouch. I think they were one or two uh, in their conference in the Sun Belt last year. So, you know, they were right there as, as a sexy pick to possibly win their league coming into this season. And now you got to be saying, man, there's something to be reckoned with for sure. Um, some other things that stood out last week, Arizona, man, Arizona won at Cameron Indoor. They took down the Dukies. Um, Caleb Love made a triumphant return back to Cameron Indoor where he's played a couple games there when he was previously with the Tar Heels. Um, you know, Tommy Lloyd's squad looks to be the part. You know, you got him, you got Omar Ballo back again this year as well. Uh, what's your take kind of on uh, on the Wildcats, you know, winning at Cameron Indoor and in, in kind of a, uh, I, I guess, a, a imprint to start this season for them? Yeah, no, I was I was certainly impressed with them. I think, you know, um, almost like what Tennessee did in, against Duke last year in the tournament, like the physicality that they played with, I thought stood out to me. Catching Johnson, awesome, super athletic guy. I mean, like you said, Balu, they got like three seven-footers on their team. That guy, Krivnos, came in off the bench and gave some solid minutes. Um, Duke, you know, I, I was super high on them this year. I still am. I think Filipowski looked good. I think, you know, he had close to 30 points, if I remember correctly. Um, he looks solid and, you know, so I'm still hopeful for that, but more of an impressive win from Arizona. Yeah. You took the words out of my mouth there. I was going to say, this is more of a win for Arizona than it is a loss for Duke, especially at this point in the year. Um, I think Pelly Larson had an, a good game as well. And you talk about Keisha Johnson, man, that guy came over from San Diego state. He was a vital part of what made that San Diego state defense, such a stout defense. And they bring him over to kind of plug some holes and fix some areas that, Let's be real. The Arizona defense was absolutely awful last year. So you bring him in to really sure up that defense and give them a completely different component and completely different look than they had a year ago. 
Um, so yeah, you know, Tommy Lloyd has been, in my opinion, the last three years, it might the last three years, it might be the best hire in college basketball. I know Hubert Davis made a national championship. I know Shire has has done wonders at Duke, taking over uh, after after Coach K. But man, you gotta give it, give the kudos to Tommy Lloyd. Um, and you know, talking on Duke, I think this is a good segue into uh, the Champions Classic because that was the highlight. And dude, why why don't they play that on? Why don't they just make that the opening night game? You know why? Why do we well, have to wait a week until we do that? And it did used to be earlier. I don't. It I don't did. Think I remember the exact reason for if the first couple years. Is one if 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 why it got moved back, but um yeah, for a while it kicked off the season, and now um more of a week into it. But yeah, that that was the one. Yeah, I, that, I that's know. just that's just one gripe that I have. Obviously, four extremely caliber, high caliber programs that always come to play that are always going to be in the mix for the national championship every year. If you're unaware, um, this year, the matchups were Duke and Michigan State in the opener. And then the headline game was Kansas and Kentucky. And both games were really good. Um, That's why I'm also not as concerned about Duke because they were able to beat Michigan State. So Duke took down Michigan State in the first game and then Kansas clawed back and were able to beat Kentucky in the second game. We'll hop into the Kansas-Kentucky game here in a minute but with that duke michigan state game um I, I know that you had some uh some family dinner plans that you had to get to before uh you were able to to, to sit down and, and really devote a lot of attention to that um the one thing that stood out for me in the first half first of all michigan state three-point shooting they were two for 13 from three in the first half yeah. but also duke's rebounding was something of concern as well um you know michigan state is now one and two on the season how concerned are you about this spartan squad you know, um, yeah, I think like you said, we mentioned we were we couldn't have been more wrong on them, obviously, the first game of the year, and we were super high on them coming in as a team. I've been really surprised with the lack of minutes from Xavier Brooks. I'm not sure if maybe I was understanding the prospect he was supposed to be. Um, but I mean, he's to say yeah, he would have had zero points, I would have been been shocked, you know, five to ten minutes a game is kind of surprising with, you know, apparently he's he can shoot the ball. He's athletic. He's tall. He's a big man. Um, so yeah, they're, they're giving that, the minutes to Sissoko, yeah, uh, which which yeah. I was super surprised about. Is I mean that's a great point that you brought up that that you know watching that game completely slipped by because I was focusing on so many other things. But yeah, you know this is like you said a highly touted five star prospect that you brought in. And this is a big marquee game of the year to at least to start out, and you're not playing him, and he gets zero points. I yeah. agree with you on that. That's that's definitely cause for concern. So to me, yeah, I was going to say that concerns me a little bit, maybe more of what the player we thought he might be. Um, who knows? We'll still see. But, um, you know, I, I definitely doubt Izzo um, as the season continues to go on. So, yeah, we everybody always has the term January, February Izzo. So we know that they're going to be there, you know, when the season is is coming to its conclusion. We have a feeling that Michigan State will be right back you know, in the tournament, probably somewhere in the top four seed, going to be competing for that Big Ten championship as well. But at least early on, they go through some things like this, I feel like, early on in the year. though, They they lose a game or two early on, and, you know, they go play a big tournament, and they lose a game there as well. And then people start to really question them. And then before we know it, it's like, ah, we forgot that this team comes alive late in the year. Um, A.J. Hogard sucks, man. I'll be straight up. I have never been impressed with the guy. I've always thought – he all he can do is drive. He cannot. He's he's a poor man's Rajon Rondo. He can just drive. I don't even think he, he scored shoot. the other night. Hey, he was he was absolutely awful last night. Tyson Walker is going to have to carry that point that that guard room because 
AJ Hogard has gotten worse as every year has gone on. Um, the other thing that I did want to mention, you know, you talk about Duke, man, Caleb Foster. Yeah. We always we were talking about Jared McCain as far as him being like the high touted freshman, but Jared, Caleb Foster came out shooting lights out from three. I was so impressed by him. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about another freshman that I liked in the other game too. But yeah, he had some he had some flashes for sure and looked pretty good. Um, I think he had like twenty points in the game. Um, yeah. you know what? Yeah. You you hinted at it. Let's go ahead and hop into it. the The Kentucky Kansas game was an absolute dandy of a game. You had Kentucky coming out of the gates pretty pretty strong. Well, Kansas got out to the I think eight zero or eleven three lead really early in the game, and then Kentucky started to just hit some outside shots left and right, left and mm. right. Led by, I'm assuming you're. I'm going to let you have your thunder here, uh, Rob. Uh, going to take him. Yes, yes, yes. I think uh, you know we were both watching the game. I actually missed um, part of the second half. I fell asleep, but I remember we were texting, and you know, as soon as he went off, you know, hitting three, three, coming back. I think I don't even know, like ten points in a matter of thirty seconds, something crazy. We had both texted Dillingham, like he he was unreal. He was six of 12 from the field, four or five from three, 18 points. But like you talk about, I would say, you know, half of those points came in that 30 second to a minute stretch there toward the end of the first half that um, that really increased that Kentucky lead uh, and, you know, put, you know, really propelled them to to where they got to later in the game, which they inevitably did come up short. Um, Fierro really impressed me as well. I think this guy's got a lot of bounce for Coach Cal's squad. Um so I, I'm looking at him later on in the year as well. Trey Mitchell was at least able to, as much as you can contain, contain Dick and Shithead, because I have no other way to call him. I hate him. And I and I put out a tweet last night, and I and I still stand by this. I didn't think it was I, – I did not know it was going to be harder to hate Hunter Dickinson, but, man, he has become college basketball's number one villain, and I don't think there's – any denying that whatsoever every team that they play he's going to get the shit boot out of him now last night what did he do just for a comparison standpoint 27 points 21 rebounds the guy's an animal the guy's a beast now kentucky doesn't really have any big guys i know trey mitchell was their big guy but i think he's still coming in at like six nine six ten whereas dickinson seven one seven two so there's a huge advantage there um but what's your take on the uh former michigan big man yeah, no, it's it's kind of a shame because uh, historically I I like rooting for Kansas. Same, um, I like Bill Self, and it and it kind of takes away from that a little bit. It's just I can't help it, but like you said, um, he's hard to root for. I feel like most of America agrees with that, unless he's on your team. And if he did commit to Maryland, I'd probably be sitting back, uh, changing, you know, talking about the other way. So. I feel like um, it's like how how a lot of people felt about Gravis Vasquez back in the day too. You know, you you love him or you hate him. If he's on your team, you love him, and if he's not, you hate him. I don't know if I ever got that same sentiment from from uh, well, Vasquez other hit fan a, bases. But... Vasquez hit a three against NC State with Maryland up like eight, and he hit it at the buzzer for no reason whatsoever. And ever since then, I'm like, yeah, that probably wasn't the right move. And Duke hated him, obviously. So that's you know going back in the. Uh, in the uh, in the archives, I guess you can say, <laughs> and thinking about what Vasquez did. That's the only reason that came to mind. But hey, good memories. But yeah, no, I mean, you saw it last night in a quote unquote neutral site game in Chicago, which is about, I would say, pretty equidistant between Lawrence, Kansas and Lexington, Kentucky. The whole arena was booing him every time he touched the ball, every time he went to the line, he was getting booed. Where does he stand right now in your national player of the year race right now? Because I think it's it, it's kind of a dead heat, you know, at least a weekend yes it's very early between him and Edie it's hard not to 
at, you know, at this point of weekend to sit here and say that he's not going to be in consideration. I think he will. Um, Edie right there, up there with him. Um, yeah, and I mean, their their first couple of games, you know, they put up 99 points against NC Central and then 99 again, funny enough, against Manhattan. So you can't really take much away from those games. But, I mean, th- when the lights are bright and you're on the national stage like he was last night, I mean, that's just – that's a big-time performance. And when Kansas – needed it the most you know he was getting tip-ins he was getting rebounds the other guy that really stood out Dewan Harris man the dude went five for six from three if Bill Self's getting that out of his point guard this team's not you you can't beat the team because you you got those two and then you've got how about Kevin McCuller with a triple double last night 12 10 and 10 so the pieces are there for Kansas there's no denying it so yeah, I, I totally agree and and have felt that coming into the season. I, I just I did notice, I don't know, it's just one thing I wrote down, like, do you think that their depth could be an issue? You know, they're only really getting a couple guys off the bench for maybe two to four or five minutes. Um It's a good point. It's I, it's because they've got Nick Timberlake to transfer from Towson. First couple of games against, you know, the mid majors, he did really well and was showing up. Um you know, he is an experienced guy. So I think that that's probably who they're going to rely on as their sixth man. But man, you're looking at McDowell. Furphy's supposed to be this Australian guy that can shoot lights out for them. Haven't seen it so far this year. Maybe he'll come into his own. And then after that, you've got Christian Brown's brother, Parker, uh, the transfer from Mizzou at first and then Santa Clara and now is back home in Kansas. So not a lot of experience, at least from a continuity standpoint, as far as being in that Kansas realm. Uh, and then you're also relying on El Marco Jackson as well uh, as a, you know, as a vital piece, because he's, I mean, he's starting right now for yep. them. Um, and I think, you know, they had a transfer that got into some trouble that I think might've gotten kicked off the team. Clements is hurt right now. I do know that. So they, they, once they get him back, I think they will be a lot better as well. I can't remember who the transfer was. Like, was it Dylan White? No, until I can't remember who it was, but they had a transfer like from Texas that got in trouble. Let me see if I can find this. Um, but yeah, no, I, I totally agree that the depth is a huge concern for Kansas. Um, that might be their only bugaboo because if anybody does get into foul trouble, who are you going to go to? Let's hop into some not so fun business, dude. What the hell is going on with our Terps, man? Hey, if you're unaware, Terps go down to Asheville. They lose a three-point game to Davidson. They lose a three-point game to UAB. And to be honest, neither of those games were as close as the scores indicated. Uh, Davidson was pretty much up 8-10 to 10 with two minutes to go. Same thing with UAB. Uh, this team cannot shoot. They turn the ball over. There's not a lot of size, in my opinion, either. And there just doesn't seem to be a tenacity that I've seen, that I saw even as you know, as, as recent as last year from a Willard Scott, what do you, Willard squad, what do you think needs to happen for this team to at least, you know, I don't even want to say be in contention in the big 10. I just want to say, make the damn tournament. Yeah. I don't, I don't know the last time that, uh, that I can remember that Maryland started one and two, um, you know, in the non-conference schedule, it, it is a little concerning. I don't want to sit here and hit the panic button after three games. But yeah, Arterio Morris. Arterio Morris was the guy okay. that transferred from Texas to Kansas, and he was dismissed from the Kansas basketball program on October 6th following an arrest and a charge of rape and alleged incident. So that's mm-hmm. where that came from. But yeah. All right. But yeah, so I mean, at least just like from last year too, like the pace that we play, you know, the press, the transition, all that's lacking. I don't see it. Um, a lot of ISO ball. You mentioned we can't shoot. Our free throws are still a problem. Um, yeah, 
it's Dante Scott's gotten really worse good. year by year. Yeah, and you know, DHS can you know be that guy for us, and we can get some contributions from the three point line, but it's it doesn't look great so far. Yeah, I I do want to see more Kaiser. I feel I, I feel like I haven't still still haven't seen enough of him to gauge an opinion on on how I feel about him. I agree, man. You know, DHS has definitely struggled out of the gates. I think it's just getting acclimated to the college ball, you know, the different speed that college basketball possesses compared to high school. Um, Jameer Young, you know, you you hit the nail on the head. It's too much ISO. It's too much one-on-one at the top of the top of the key trying to create and it's just not working. And then you're just essentially relying on Julian to get offensive rebounds. And then when he gets in foul trouble, you're screwed. You're turning the ball over. It's just not good basketball right now in college park. And this kind of segues into my next question is I want to talk about the rest of the big 10 because we've been watching the Gavit games. And if you're unfamiliar, that is uh, Dave Gavit, I believe was commissioner of um, the big East back in the day, but also was commissioner of big 10. So the big East and big 10, Teams will play each other early on in the season, gives you a non-conference game. Um, So far, I have felt like other than Michigan, the Big Ten has gotten absolutely killed in these games. Providence wrecked uh, Wisconsin. You had Creighton beat Iowa. Purdue did beat Xavier. Good on them. Um, But there's been some Marquette. Marquette beat Illinois. I did want to highlight that a little bit. But yeah, I mean, um, other Michigan, but. Yeah, what what I guess you know what really stood out to you during these Gavit games? I, I put on my list Big Ten bugaboos because as I, I was looking at the bracketology, and there were four out of the eight, the last eight teams in the tournament, four of them were from the Big Ten. So this already is raising questions and concerns as to not only how many teams are going to get into the Big Ten, but outside of Purdue and probably Michigan State, who else can make any noise in the tournament? But yeah, what really stood out, you know, with the Gavit games and uh, I guess what game or what what team? Um, I love the Marquette-Illinois matchup. I thought that was a pretty exciting game. And I, I liked a lot of what I saw from both teams. Um, I just I had to talk about Tyler Kolick. Um, I just I love the way he plays. This is passing. He's got it all. Um, they looked really smooth. And I thought they even left a lot um, at the rim. Early on in the game, missed some free throws. Um, so I feel like they could have even won a little bit worse. And even with that said, Illinois had a chance as well. Got some good minutes and shots from um, Goody, Luke Goody. I like some of his flashes. And obviously, you know, TJ and Coleman um, were a big part of the game too. So I, it was a good game. I liked it. Yeah, uh, Dane Danger provided some some minutes down there as well. Max Domask hit, hit some big shots for them as well. I kept getting him and uh, and uh, Luke Goody a little bit confused. Um, but yeah, the Illinois team I think is gonna. Excuse me, I think they're gonna be okay. Tyler Kolek, this was a guy that was extremely questionable to even play in this game. He had a swollen ankle, uh, yeah. swollen sprained ankle. It it was it was a legitimate 50-50 game time decision, and he did play. And my God, the other guy that really stood out to me, Cam Jones is a mismatch for anybody that you want to put on the guy. The guy can go right, he can go left, he can hit step back J's in your face. Anything you want, he is going to provide it. Marquette's the real deal, dude. You know, this was a team that had, I think, seven ranked road wins last year, and they're picking up right where they left off. They lost to K-State in the tournament. You know, that was a hot uh, K-State or Michigan State. They lost to Michigan State in the tournament, who then obviously went and, and lost to K-State. Um, but, you know, Sparty in March, what do you expect? It was a, a pretty young team. They got back the majority 
of their team besides uh, I think Maxine Prosper was the only one that really left from this team from last year. So I anticipate them being right up there at the top of the Big East. I love this Creighton team. Um, I think they found something with Trey Alexander probably playing a little bit more point guard than Steven Ashworth. We saw that last night. Um, other things that really stood out in these Gavit games, we were dead wrong on Michigan. We were. This is a good oh. team. Doug McDaniel and Namari Burnett are the real deal. And this has been all without Jawan Howard because Phil Martelli has been uh, coming in for a couple games as the interim. And what a nice little uh, thing to, to fall back on. What a nice coach to fall back on. And Phil Martelli, you know, led St. Joe's with Jameer Nelson to the uh, Final Four back in 04. And you're able to have him as your interim coach here for a couple games while uh, Coach Howard recovers from uh, open heart surgery. But that team looks great, man. Reed impressed me down low. Terrence Williams from the outside as well. Everything yeah. they did in that game, I, I was expecting, you know, this is this was arguably the biggest game at Madison Square Garden for St. John's in seven, eight, maybe 10 years. You got Rick Patino's first legitimate game, first game at the Garden, and they just laid an egg. Was that more about how good Michigan is, or do you think St. John's is just not that good? Yeah, I mean, going into this year, I wasn't super high on St. John's anyways. I think, obviously, it's going in the right direction in their program, and they have some talented players and transfers this year. But um, like you said, we were wrong about Michigan. I think I bet against them all three of their games. Yeah, I think we both did. Uh, You know, they made me eat it, um, all that. So um, I I think I would put it more to Michigan. And and like you said, the shine that I've seen from them uh, wasn't as expected as I thought. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as as well. I think St. John's also was missing RJ Luis. So when they get big him back and you partner him up with Jordan Dingle and um, Jenkins and Joel Soriano looks really good as well down low for St. John's. I think when you put those guys back together, uh, you know, they'll be okay. One one thing that I do want to note before we do move on, I loved this Providence team coming in. Man, they look legit. The combination of Devin Carter and Bryce Hopkins looks really freaking good. And then I mentioned, you know, Kim English came over from George Mason to Providence and he brought Josh Oduro with him. That's a nice one-two punch in the front court with Oduro and uh, and Bryce Hopkins. They're going to go to the Bahamas and they get a matchup with K-State. Looking really forward to that game. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into uh, a segment that... We're going to start doing here every week on the pod, and we're going to call it This or That. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. You can get with this, or you can get with that. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and hop into it. Our first one that we've got on tap. Rob, I'm going to throw one out to you, and you just give me which one you kind of like best. If you want to break it down, you can. If not, we'll hop into it. But we're getting ready to come up on Feast Week, so... Which is a better Thanksgiving destination, Maui or Atlantis? Because both are hosting tournaments, and I'm not looking at it from the basketball standpoint as far as what the fields are and what teams are better. Just pure vacation standpoint, which one would you rather be at? Um, I mean, given that the destinations are both very similar, um, I would normally say Hawaii is a lot further to travel to. I have been to the Bahamas. I have never been to Hawaii. I've always wanted to go to Hawaii. Um, So I will say the Maui tournament. I would probably agree with you. The only thing I will say about Atlantis is don't they have that slide that like goes under like a fish tank or something or like they into do. the ocean or something? They yeah, do. that would be pretty sick. Pretty that, that that would be pretty cool to go to. And I'd like to see that too. Both places have got tremendous weather. The reason I'd like the Hawaii is because like 
everything happens so early there. Like by the time six or seven o'clock happens, all the sports are done. You can just have a meal, not worry about what games are on, what you might be missing. You go out for a drink at a bar at nine or 10, that's 3 a.m. back east. Ain't nothing happening at that time. Um, so I do like that component of Hawaii. Um, the next one we got, who needs to win more, Maryland or Villanova? Maryland and Villanova are facing off in the Gavit games Friday night at 8.30. It'll be Maryland at Villanova. Villanova's coming off a loss, one of the premier upsets of the week to Penn. Um, they beat them in the Philly Five battle. We just talked about Maryland. They're one and two after the debacle that happened down in Asheville. Who needs this win more? Got to be the Terps. Um, that that's probably a biased opinion, but one and three can't happen. And I know one and two on the other side isn't good um, for what's supposed to be an ascending Villanova program. Yeah, I mean, they both don't have very good losses on their resume, but we cannot lose a third one in a row. And I think, you know, we really need it for if we're going to turn kind of um, this season around. I'd hate to say it so early on, but we need to get these guys confident and playing right, playing together um, and come away with a, a notable win. Yeah, the, the the reason I would agree with you, and obviously we're biased for the Terps, you know, we're going to be, we can't help ourselves. But the reason why I would agree with you on the Terps is because of what is left in the non-conference for the Terps. If the Terps lose this game, the only other game that they've got on the schedule is at UCLA as far as like a, a premier opponent. They've got like yeah. UMBC, South Alabama, Nickel State, um, I think Alcorn State's in there, maybe Coppin State might be in there. Nova goes to Atlantis right after this game, which yep. has given you ample opportunity to pick up some key non-conference wins. So that's why I really feel like it is big for the Terps. But yeah, you know, if Nova does lose this, the other end of the spectrum is they're in a loaded Big East. At least the Terps, they're kind of with the rest of the Big Ten and that everybody's sucking right now. And it, it, it's kind of helping them out in, in that regard. Whereas Nova's like, look, man, we got Creighton here. Providence is playing some good ball. We saw what Marquette was able to do. UConn's the defending national champs. There's a lot of really good teams here in the Big East, which is why I would be, you know, it, it's a must win for both. But I agree with you. I think it's got to be the Terps as far as needing the, the, the win. Final one, better young coach. Tommy Lloyd or John Shire. Tommy Lloyd's coach at Arizona. John Shire, the coach at Duke. These two just faced off. Uh, this past weekend who you got is the better young coach right now well and I'm gonna base it strictly off that matchup right now and my answer I'm gonna go with Tommy Lloyd I mean I can't I can't disagree with you I think yeah. Tommy Lloyd has done incredible I think he's got he had like 60 wins in his first two years which is the most ever by a coach in his first two years of coaching the only caveat I will say is that they have not performed well in March as far as the tournament is concerned they've had the high seed they just haven't really done a lot with that as far as I don't even think they've made it past the sweet 16 right no I don't think so too yeah because who did they lose to last Math year? well Matherin hit the three I want to say against TCU two years ago in the round of 32 to put them into the sweet 16 and then they lost in the sweet 16. I don't remember who they lost last, who they, who they lost to last year. I think it was the round of 32 is what they lost to. Yeah. They um, I was early with eight and two that year as well. Yeah. Um, what, no, no, that wasn't eight. And that the, the year with Aiton was uh, Sean Miller was still there. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. So that was just, and they lost to Buffalo. Yeah. They lost to Buffalo. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I want to say Alonzo Trier was the point guard there as well. That seems right. Um, the only thing I will say about Shire is he is an incredible recruiter. I mean, the guy gets every big name player that there is out there. Every five star, he gets them to the next level. If they don't go to the next level, they're coming back and are in the running for player of the year, AKA Kyle Filipowski right now. So he yeah. does, 
He does a tremendous job at Duke too. And any program in the entire country besides maybe two or three would be salivating to have either of those guys as their coach. Um, But that does it for this or that segment. Like I said, we're going to be running that through here every week, every podcast episode, just something to like little spice it up. Uh, We'll probably do some arena comparison, some game comparison, things of that nature. Let's go ahead and hop into our feast week tourney pick. So we're going to rip through these really quickly, anything that might stand out to you. Um, But we've got, I think six or seven tournaments on hand. Let's go ahead and start with the Charleston Classic. So the Charleston Classic is actually going to be kicking off tomorrow. Um, I believe it's either 11.30 a.m. tip or maybe it's a 1.30 p.m. tip. Um, but this is what really and truly gets Feast Week started is the Charleston Classic. Now, this um, field is comprised of a lot of mid-majors. The, I, I, I think it's Houston's tournament to lose. I don't see how anybody is going to beat Houston. You've got St. John's, North Texas, Dayton, LSU, Houston, Towson, Utah and Wake Forest the only team that I could see really posing a threat would be St. John like if St. John's found something maybe they could get a spark and maybe take down Houston I worry about Dayton without Malachi Smith Um, but I think this has got to be Houston's Houston's tournament to win yeah no I think I think I agree with you Um, Houston here for the slated teams the only other I haven't looked at the matchups to be honest um, what do you think about LSU competing here? They're always going to be uber athletic um, and uber talented. They've still got the, um, the what was the Murray State coach? I can't remember his name, but he's still there. They were a bottom tier um, team last year in the SEC. I don't know if I really expect much from them this year. Uh, you know, we'll see what they can do. Matt McMahon, that was his name. I couldn't think of it. Um, you know, they, they're still in that rebuilding phase, I feel like, though. Uh, so I don't I don't know if they pose much of a threat between them and Dayton though that'll be a, a I feel like it'll be a pretty solid game. Be a good game um, to watch, yeah. Yeah, but LSU, you know, they've already lost to Nichols State this year by two. Bad loss on the resume, but hey, you know, you get a win against Dayton, it's a pretty good win. Like I said, Malachi Smith being out for Dayton, I think, does hinder their chances. Um, like I said, I feel like the only only other team is St. John's. Now, the one team that I haven't mentioned in this, or I did briefly. I said I loved him at the beginning of the year. Wake Forest, man. Wake Forest. Not only that, geographically speaking, this game is going to be in Charleston. So it's it's a, it's a, it, in my opinion, it's a good advantage for Wake Forest. So it could be like a home game for Wake Forest against Houston if they get past Utah. Um, so don't sleep on Wake Forest there. Who's your pick to win it all here? Oh, God, I guess I like you said. Um, you know what? You're selling me on Wake Forest. Let's let's rip it. All right, Rob's going Wake. I'm going Houston. I'm going Houston. I think this backcourt is still one of the best backcourts in the country, and and I can't, I can't knock Kelvin Sampson down that much. Um, it, it's I I love the matchup, and I think, like I said, it's a home game, and I think it's going to be a little tight. So keep your eyes tuned into Charleston on Friday. It'll be Friday at about 4:30 p.m. Um, keep your eyes tuned to that, and I think it's on ESPN two as well. So. It'll be on TV for everybody to watch. Um, next tournament we've got on hand also starts tomorrow, or I guess today, as when this podcast will be coming out. Myrtle Beach Invitational. Um, not the most loaded field here. Um, you've got some decent mid-major teams. Charleston, Vermont, and Furman all made the tournament last year. Liberty has made, I think there was one their conference like three or four straight times. St. Louis, Wyoming are decent teams. And then you've got Wichita and Coastal as well. Obviously, Coastal having the, the home court advantage there. Any team that really stands out that you like in this? Because I am going to completely throw a dart and guess on who I think is going to win this. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you. I, I think it opens up with maybe the best game or the best matchup between Vermont and Charleston. Um, You know, Vermont, usually the perennial winner of their conference in the America East. Charleston coming off a 30-plus win season last year. Um, I'm not sure what that team's looking like, actually, but I, I might peep in and tune in on that game. Um, If I had to pick, it would probably be one of those two, the winner of that game. Um, So with it being, like, maybe, like you said, geographically close, I'll go again with Charleston. Yeah, it would be kind of cool, though, to see Charleston and Coastal in the finals in the Myrtle Beach invitation. I mean, they're both right there. You've also got, I mean, Furman's not too far I mean, away, and neither is Liberty. Um, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Liberty here. I, I, I still am buying into this, into this squad. I still think Liberty has some talent still there. I know that they lost um, Darius McGee, who was kind of their everything. Um, but I'm, I'm still going to buy into them having a little bit of magic here down in Charleston and, you know, crazier things have happened as well, but I, I, I still like Richie McKay. I think he's a really good coach. And I think that, um, you know, they can, they can absolutely win some games, grind it out and win some games, but that's the best non-conference or the best mid-major tournament, I guess you can say on the slate. So Rob, you've got Charleston and I'm going to go with Liberty. Let's hop into a little bit more exciting matchups. We've got the empire classic on Sunday. Um, just four teams here, two matchups, UConn, Indiana, Texas, Louisville, out of those four, who you got coming out of this? You know, it's it's going to be exciting. I'm going to take UConn against the matchup against Indiana. Um, I know Louisville just won tonight. They didn't super impress me. I like Texas out of that one. And then, you know, I'm going to pick Texas to upset um, UConn. We are in agreement. I've, I love this Texas team. I liked them at the beginning of the year when we were doing our preview episode, you sold me on them. Um, and you know, I think Max Acemas is going to show up, uh, in, in New York city and, and, and really show why he is, he should be considered in that upper tier just because he played at Oral Roberts doesn't mean that the kid can't ball. And I think that he gets slighted because he did play at a mid-major for so many years, even though he's in the tournament. Um, but I, I, I think Acemas, I'm going to, I'm going to take Max Acemas and, and the Longhorns to, uh, to come away victorious here at the Empire Classic. So we're both on Texas there. Um, the next tournament we've got, these next two are the ones that we've been highlighting. Let's go ahead and start with the Maui Invitational. Um, most loaded field that we've got so far, or that we've got this, um, this feast week season, I guess you can say. It all kicks off on, I believe it's Monday. Um, is is when it kicks off uh it'll probably be at like 11 a.m or something maybe it's 3 3 a.m i can't remember just because 30 is what i'm seeing here okay because of the hawaii time that makes sense um so tennessee syracuse purdue gonzaga kansas and abai i mean they play chaminade which is the host team if you're wondering who the heck chaminade and why are they there they are the host team they are in it every single year and then we end it with ucla marquette um, who you got anything stick out? I mean, like we've said, this is an absolutely loaded field. And even in the first round, we've got Purdue Gonzaga's two top 11 teams, man. Yep. Yep. No, I'm, I'm excited. I think mostly excited for this game or for this tournament, excuse me. Um, obviously Marquette, I'm super bullish on them this year, Kansas, another, you know, who I picked to win the national championship. Um, after uh, the last three games of Tennessee, I've really like, I've seen out of them, um, Dalton Connect has really been a, a very bright spot for them as they kind of mourn yeah. in the Zakai Ziegler not being there um, right now. So that, that's been something to rely on I for sure. I think he leads the team in scoring. Um, yeah, yeah like, like looks tw- good. 20 points a game or something like that, I want to yeah. say. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, 
I but think yeah. I'm, I think I think you know from what I've seen so far this season, I worry about Colex ankle. That's the one thing that I'm worried about. I'm thinking if you give him a week off, it can rest a little bit more. But he did just play a grueling game in Champaign against Illinois last night. So I do worry about that. Man, you're going to have number one versus number two maybe in the finals with Kansas and Purdue. That's just a salivating matchup this early in the year, man. Um, I'm going to go with Purdue. And I think the reason being is because I think they have more depth. I think this is going to come down to a game of depth. And I think Edie and Dickinson will almost neutralize each other. Um, and then I, you know, we'll, we'll, the guard play at Purdue with Braden Smith and and Lawyer there as well. I think that they'll be they'll be fine with some of these athletic Kansas guards. But I I like Purdue here, man. Who do who you got? Marquette. Pick a Marquette. Colex ankle. You mentioned it. It did not worry me. It did not. I didn't see signs of, of him laboring that in the game yesterday. Ride with your boys, man. I'm, I'm, you've been on to. this Marquette team got to. since got... the beginning of last year, I feel. I'm, I'm stubborn. Um, I like all the points that you made with Purdue, but I'm stubborn, and I'm going to try and ride it out until I'm proved wrong, but um, I'm going to pick Marquette. Do you do you like Shaka Smart? Um, I hate his hair, but I, I think just... he's a good coach. Yeah, I don't know. I just ever like VCU was kind of cool, and then he went to Texas, and I was like, "This shit's old, man. I can't, <laughs> I can't get behind you here." He's kind of rejuvenated me being at Marquette, though. Uh, but perfect. Let's go ahead and we're gonna hop into our last one here. Uh, we're gonna talk about Atlantis, so we're just gonna quickly give our pick here. Another loaded field. You've got Carolina and Northern Iowa kicking it off November twenty second, so next Wednesday. Uh, Villanova, Texas Tech, Michigan, Memphis, great matchup there, and then Arkansas and Stanford. Who you got coming out victorious here um, down in the down in Atlantis? I could see UNC or Arkansas making a run. Um, I kind of sneakily, I'm going to take UNC here, um, and I'm still going to fade Michigan, even though they'll probably end up winning this whole thing. Dude, um, I like Michigan here. I I I'm, I I think the Michigan. I think Michigan wins their first round, and then I think Arkansas wins, and then I think whoever wins between Michigan and Arkansas is is going to be the winner um, of this. I'm going to go Arkansas. I took Arkansas at the beginning uh, when we did our preview episode. I took him to win this tournament. I'm still sticking by it. Um, so give me Woo Pig Suey uh, coming away victorious down in the Bahamas. And that pretty much does it. Uh, anything else you got to add in there, you know, as we get ready for feast week, as we get ready to stuff our bellies with some turkey, we're going to take some time off, um, you know, just with Thanksgiving and everything. We'll be back the Monday or Tuesday, probably after Thanksgiving with an episode. But uh, but yeah, anything else to note before we uh, before we sign off here for the holiday? That's it, boss. Thankful. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, definitely check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Twitter for sure. If you are in... Uh, in the betting game, if you like, you know, following college basketball and bets of that nature, definitely check us out. Uh, we'll be putting plays up pretty much nightly um, on our Twitter feed. And then we put them on our Instagram story as well. Been about even on the year so far, I think they're like 30 some plays. So um, nothing great, nothing bad there. Follow us on TikTok as well. But other than that, have a great feast week. Like Rob said, thankful, be happy. Let's go watch some college basketball. Have a good weekend. Have a good Thanksgiving. See you.